Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And what other, other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of sinful nature. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning. I can say Happy New Year to you. As Eric explained, this is the beginning of the church calendar. There are many calendars that are kept around the world, and in the church we keep our own calendar as well as we follow the life of Christ. And the church calendar begins with the anticipation of Christmas, and so we're in the season of Advent. And ironically enough, the church calendar ends last weekend with Christ the King Sunday, and it's also a weekend of anticipation as we look forward to the coming again of our Savior. And as we begin the church calendar, we do the same thing. We look forward also to the end when Jesus will come again, as we were singing in that opening song today. And so Advent is a time of anticipation. During this Advent season, we're beginning a new sermon series entitled Advent ADJ, or Advent as an Adjective. Now it's time for a quick grammar lesson. Don't glaze over on me, all right? We're going to do a little English. Now, Advent as a season is a noun. And so we, th- we think of we're entering into this new season of Advent. But when you take nouns... And you can use them as adjectives as well, as describing words. For example, the word tree is a noun. But when you put the word tree in front of the word house, tree house, it becomes an adjective describing the type of house. And so we're using the term adjective, uh, the, the term advent as an adjective during this season for this sermon series to help describe elements of the season. And today we're talking about cookies that are around during the Advent time, Advent cookies, and we're going to be talking about Advent lights and Advent cheer and Advent shopping, all of the trimmings that go around this season of anticipation of Christmas. Most importantly, though, we're going to talk about the term Advent as a description of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And if Advent is a time of anticipation that God is going to show up, then we, as Advent people, live our lives as if God was going to show up. Now, way back in the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, God promised that He would send a Savior, a remedy for sin. And God's people lived in anticipation that that Savior was going to come. And He did. He came in the person and work of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And then from that point forward, he promised that he would come again. And the church has lived in anticipation that God will come again in glory 
to take us to be with him. But more than those two anticipations of, of God being present, we also, as Advent people, live our lives in, in an expectation that God is going to show up for us today in how we live. And so Advent cookies are our first example of God showing up for us. Now, there's lots of anticipation and lots of things that happen during Advent preparing for Christmas. We're going to be decorating this uh, worship center and the sanctuary after worship today. If you want to stick around, we'd be glad to have a little bit of help. It's not going to take very long, but that's one of the ways that we anticipate uh, uh, Christmas coming. And as a congregation, for over 20 years, we've had an event called the Cookie Walk. How many of you have been to the Cookie Walk before? A few of you have been there. Now, this is something that's really anticipated, not only in our congregation, but outside of our congregation, because the gym has tables all around it, and they get filled up with fresh, homemade, baked goods. And people, a lot of non-disciples here from Carmel, from Cornerstone, will come to the cookie walk. And the reason they come is because they know that they are going to find fresh baked cookies that they can go home and they can share that they can take to maybe their neighbor across the street, or they can take to a family event. And so those plates of Advent cookies are we want to look at today. Because in our reading from Romans, Paul says that we know that the end is coming. And in preparation for that coming of our Savior again, we don't know when it is, but we are to be ready. In preparation, he gives us a command. Paul says, I want you to show love in the world. I want you to bring sweetness to those that are around you. Paul's command is that we need to be prepared, and the way we prepare is by loving our neighbor. Now, during this season of Advent, with all that's going on, would you consider yourself as a plate of Advent cookies? Would you consider yourself to be bringing sweetness to those around you? Or maybe as you've tasted before, has anybody ever tasted a cookie that was made without sugar sugar, and they forgot to put the sugar in? It's not very good. It's very bitter. And we have a second site over in, in Fishers, and the pastors worked together on the sermons. And as Scott and I were discussing this sermon, and I told him what we were going to be talking about with Advent cookies He's doing an adult children's message over there by baking a batch of cookies without sugar. And he's going to hand them out to whoever wants to try them so that they can taste the bitterness that happens when you don't have sugar in a cookie. And it's a great example for you and I to see that when our lives do not have the sweetness, the the grace and the love of God that's been shown to us, When we don't have that in our lives, we reflect bitterness to the world around us because there's this battle that's going on in us. We know that we're supposed to to be kind to those around us, but there's so many things that happen to us that cause us to turn rather to bitterness. People hurt us in all kinds of ways. Circumstances seem to drive us towards bitterness, to anger, to frustration, And what's more, during this season of the holidays, when families get together, it seems like all of that bitterness just seems to well up even more and more. Unfortunately, when we're supposed to be celebrating, the sin in our lives becomes more and more evident. Rather than showing sweetness, we show bitterness. Well, I heard about a monastery 
high in the mountains that had a vow of silence. But at the Christmas time, they would lift the vow of silence for one monk. And one monk could say one sentence. And that was it. And so one year, Brother Thomas was allowed to speak. And Brother Thomas, after a year of silence, no one else speaks. He stands up and he says, I like the mashed potatoes that we have with Christmas turkey. And he sat down. It was it. Silence for another 365 days. No other monks are allowed to talk. But then it comes Christmas time again, and Brother Michael stood up. It was his turn. And Brother Michael stood up and said, I think the mashed potatoes are lumpy and cold, and I don't like them. Silence again. 366 days. It was a leap year this year. 366 days of silence, and then finally another monk is allowed to speak. Brother Paul, Brother Paul rises and says, I'm fed up with this constant bickering. (laughs) You see, this season of the year seems to bring out darkness and bitterness, even as the days become darker and shorter. Rather than show the sweetness of Advent cookies to those around us, to our neighbors, we give off the bitter taste of cookies without sugar. Paul says later on, and as he's writing to the Ephesians, he talks about bitterness, specifically bitterness, and he says, get rid of all bitterness, along with rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Paul says bitterness should not be a part of our lives. We don't know when the Savior is coming, and until then, we need to get rid of everything that is driving us away from sharing love with our neighbor. Now it's time for our second and final grammar lesson, the word for forgiving. And it's the next part, because the next part, Paul goes on to explain how you can show sweetness and kindness, even in the midst of feeling busy and burdened and broken down and beaten up. Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, in the original Greek, it doesn't have the word by. It just simply says, be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. But the the word forgiving is a participle, with ending in ing, and it can be used as a noun, it can be used as as an action, as a verb, and it can also be used as a description. But here, it's, it's an action But it's an action that denotes a way to accomplish something. It's a means to get something done. And so it's fitting here that the word by is added to our text. Because Paul is saying you show show the sweetness of God, you show love to your neighbor by forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You see, the sweet love of God is tasted in forgiving. As Christians, this has to begin with you and me. We need to realize the great gift, the sweetness of our God that's been shown to us through what Jesus Christ has done for us. And it is nothing that we have done to deserve it. There is no amount of good that we could do to earn God's love and God's favor. It doesn't work that way. Scripture tells us that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. And it's really, oftentimes it's easy for us to slip into the pointing fingers and say, I'm so glad I'm not like them. 
like those people that are hurting me and causing me pain and anger, I am so glad that I'm not like them. We see the sin around us in the world, the sin on TV, and we say, I'm thankful that I'm better than that. But the reality is, we're deceiving ourselves when we think that we're not like them. Like Paul, we must declare, I am the worst of sinners. You see, Paul thought he had his life together. He, he was truly a Pharisee. And he thought that he was doing the best that he could following the law to somehow earn righteousness from God. But then, when Jesus showed up and demonstrated to Paul that it was not about anything that he could do to bring God's favor, but it was simply out of God's love for him through Jesus Christ that Paul's eyes were opened. Paul had missed the grace of God that had been shown to him. He missed the sweetness of God's mercy. Paul recognized that there was no amount of his own righteousness that can make things right between him and God. And Paul devoted his ministry then to sharing that love that came through Jesus Christ on the cross, through God's work for us. It was no debt that we could pay. It was a debt paid by Jesus. And that's why Paul in our reading today said, there's no debt remaining. The only debt that's remaining now is for you to have a debt of love to your neighbor, to demonstrate God's sweetness to those around you. It reminds me of a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 18. And in this parable, there's a king. The king has many servants, and one of his servants owes him a great debt of money, so large that this servant could never pay it off. Even if he worked his entire lifetime, many lifetimes, he could never pay it off. But the king, in his mercy, forgives the debt. He, he wipes it off the books. And the first servant goes out and finds a second servant of the king that owes him a small amount of money compared to the first amount of money. And when the, when the second servant can't pay back the first servant, the first servant shows bitterness. Rather than the, the mercy shown by the king, the second servant shows bitterness to his fellow servant and has him thrown in debtor's prison. Jesus is saying, we have been forgiven this great amount by God. Then we should demonstrate love to one another. In comparison, the debt that is, is owed to one another is simply a debt of love. Now that God has forgiven and taken care of all that was done against us, and things that we have done ourselves. When Jesus went to the cross, it was a debt paid in full. There was nothing more to be done. Every sin that we have committed or will commit was taken care of on the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was done. It was wiped clean. There was no more that needs to be done. The soldiers, while Jesus was on the cross, saw the pain that he was in. And they tried to give him something to drink that would take away the pain. And when Jesus realized what they were doing, he refused. Jesus didn't want anything to get in the way of what he was doing. Jesus wanted to suffer the full extent, the complete bitterness experienced by separation from the Father. Jesus experienced the depth of bitter pain. It's the height of pain and bitterness that he suffered for us on the cross that shows how great his love for us and how great the sweet love and mercy that we have of our God. As an example or as an illustration, these opposites are true. The depth and bitterness that Jesus ex 
experienced on the cross and the depth of sweet love and mercy that is extended to you and to me. As forgiven people of a sweet and loving God, we have the opportunity now to show that same sweetness through forgiveness to those around us. Just as in the parable of the of the servant, we have been forgiven a great debt and we have been restored in our relationship to the king. And that now affects how we deal with one another, with our fellow servants. If we've been shown that kind of grace and mercy, how can we ever hold back showing grace and mercy to those around us? when we ourselves have received grace upon grace, a flood of forgiveness, this is what living as Advent people looks like. We experience the love of our God and the reminder of the forgiveness of our God each and every time we gather together. God shows up for us again. God shows up for us, Advent people anticipating him to be here for us, even today as his word is preached. God shows up for us Today, in Holy Communion, again, the assurance of God's grace and forgiveness. God has shown up for us in our baptism, where he has washed us and made us a part of his family, where he has connected us to that resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection that we look forward to, that will be ours one day. Advent people live in expectation that God is going to and has shown up. So this Advent season, when you see a plate of cookies out or some baked goods and you taste that sweetness, I want you to remember the sweet love of our God that's come through Jesus Christ. I want you to be a reflection of that sweetness to the world around you. Brothers and sisters, when we have been set free of such a great debt, when Christ has taken all the bitterness to the cross and when he has given us the incredible gift of freedom, Why would we ever want to go back to those bitter ways? That's what being an Advent person is all about. Living in the freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Living with the expectation that God is going to show up in our lives today. And we reflect that. Living living free from all of that old junk. So that we can now love one another. We can love as God has loved us. His dearly Beloved children, amen.